Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we are Sundere for a dead horse, 1d6 frying pans at a time. This week, we're going to discuss Big Eyes Small Mouth 2nd Edition. It's the anime game that tries to encapsulate all the genre into one easy package, and it's honestly not that far off from accomplishing the goal. And now, a book that isn't all that bad, despite our incredible misgivings and like 30 pages of drawbacks, on today's System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery. How are you, John? Doing so fine. Eric the Red, so fine. <laughs> <laughs> Callback, Street Fighter. Look it up. All right. So, uh, so this week we're talking about System Mastery's. Wait, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking oh, about man. Big Eyes, Small Mouth. Yeah, yeah. We certainly are doing that. We couldn't find the first edition of the game to review, but I do have a copy of second, which I checked. It is not the current edition, so it's okay for us to review it. Yeah, and I think first edition probably would have been a little less interesting, because apparently it was just super tiny. It's like a magazine. It, it, it said it had, it had like 20,000 words, and this has like 200,000 words. Yeah, something like that. So they basically incorporated all of the various splat books from first edition and then just threw all of the pertinent information from that into this book. Right, and then they added another couple hundred thousand incidences of the word Bishonen. <laughs> just for giggles. You know. <laughs> just so many sparkle pictures in this book. Yeah, actually, there's not as much as I was thinking. Like, I was cracking this open going, oh god, here we go with the anime. It's going to be a whole bunch of pictures of doe-eyed ten-year-olds in bikinis. And <laughs> I... Pokemon ripoffs and what have you, but but yeah, and yeah, it does use an anime style, but it kind of looks like the kind of art by someone who just bought how to draw anime. Oh yeah, no, it it definitely is the anime art version of the guy who's doing like his own art for his RPG. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. A RPG where you should not look back because terror is never far behind. <laughs> oh no, there's not nearly as much cross hatching in this book. <laughs> There's a distinct lack of fat knife clowns. <laughs> well, there was a distinct lack of fat knife clowns in Don't Look Back, too. There's just the one on the back of the book. You wouldn't even see him if you followed the instructions that the book's title gives you. <laughs> Don't look on the back. There's a fat knife clown. Yeah! <laughs> fat knife clowns are never far behind. <laughs> anyway, big eyes, small mouth. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, this is, uh, I-, I was expecting a lot more specific anime references, but this really does kind of boil down to being a generic RPG simulator. It's, it's GURPS, but it mentions anime a lot. Yeah, and it has a lot of things that will only be useful in certain anime genres, oh, and right. it does cover every genre. It, it, in the ones it doesn't cover, it mentions. Like, it, it talks about how there is a, a supplement available out there for the first edition for basically playing Pokemon or Digimon or whatever called, like, Cockfight Seizure Monster, Collectible Seizure Monsters or something. Yeah. But this, uh, I think they didn't throw that into the book, probably because it doesn't have to do with your character as much as a setting. So and it's, it's sort of like a monster manual for anime is going to be the Pokemon-esque thing. Right. They could easily have put it in. It probably. I also think it probably would have been too big. 
Like, it feels like they worked pretty hard to get the mecha stuff to fit into this book, too. Because, again, this this really covers every genre of anime. And there are a few genres of anime out there. There's there, And the thing about anime tends to be that if something's in genre, you can really predict what's going to happen and what's going to be in there. Yeah, if there is a high school boy and three girls are interested in him, it is going to play out exactly like every other anime where there is a high school boy and three girls are interested in right. him. Right, and, and there's usually some mysterious magic gimmick that ends up not really mattering like in, I, I remember I sat down with a friend and I watched six episodes of Fruits Basket once <laughs> and she told me as we were going in that the characters on Fruits Basket can turn into animals that have to do with the Chinese Zodiac and I was like oh that sounds kind of neat let's see that six episodes no one turned into anything except sobbing wrecks a lot of them would cry about things constantly or, or make mild threats at each other and that was the whole show I it, so well, no, it's the same thing even when you have certain shows that are like, it's all about this kung fu guy, and you're still going to end up having shows where it's like, is he going to use his ultimate technique? No. No, no it's going to take like eight episodes before he does He's that. He's going to spend most of his time gritting his teeth and yelling. There's probably going to be someone hitting him with a frying pan and telling him how he's a horrible person and then making him eat. Isn't it weird how Dragon Ball didn't really seem to... Like, one of the things about this book that you really notice when you're reading through it is that every single time you read a description or a skill or a stat value or something, it reminds you of of some anime. Oh, yeah. Like, there's one of the things you can get is a defect where before you use your special powers, you have to do a transformation sequence to put a suit on. And you're like, look how Sailor Moon this is. Oh, yeah. That's that, that's like, okay, they knew that Sailor Moon had that transformation sequence, and so they, they squirreled it in there as a defect. And fine, that's great. It doesn't, I, I feel like it missed the Dragon Ball. Yeah, there's there's not a lot. It really I mean, dropped the Dragon Ball on this one. If, <laughs> if, if, if you if you could pick up what I'm putting down. Here. <laughs> okay, sorry. What were no, you... but it it really does seem like you could do certain things. Like you can have some flight. Yeah, you can have super strength. I bet and you there's that. this book is like eighty percent abilities and drawbacks. And I bet there's one in there that we missed. That's you can use your ability, but you have to charge it. Like uh, you stand there going. There is there is a bonus that you can get that is essentially a metamorphosis, and you could go ahead and say, "Look, my metamorphosis is me going Super Saiyan." Oh yeah, or then Super Saiyan two and three and monkey version. <laughs> oh, Super Monkey Saiyan. That's a thing. Don't think it isn't. Oh, I know it is. <laughs> don't don't think I don't know about Goku and Gohan and their stupid bullshit monkey race. There's uh, a <laughs> this this book really kind of pointed the mirror at us. I, if you were to ask me if I was an anime fan, I'd probably give you the most Americanized response possible, which is, "Oh yeah, I like Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo and the first Ghost in the Shell movie. I like anime." I have seen Akira. But then as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh my god, I'm familiar with a ton of this. I'm like, oh, this is just like Slayer, or this is just like Berserk, or this is just like Tenchi Muyo, or Ron Mahath. Until I was at uh, at the point where I was like, do I like anime? Is that what's happening? And I was like, oh wait, no, no I don't, because I hate all those shows. (laughs) Wait a minute, I know all of these shows, and I hate all of these shows. Right. Okay, so let's get down into some of the mechanics of this thing. It's a tri-stat system. Yeah, That's what they call it. Apparently, they didn't even have in the first edition, They someone else named his system for him later. Mm-hmm. And so they adopted it. This is the first time that they used that name, mm-hmm. the tri-stat system, for their game. Now, the three stats in question are body, mind, and soul. Yeah, so breaks it down to be super simple. Uh, it 
is, you know, your body is your generic how strong or quick or tough you are. Mm-hmm. And mind is how smart you are. And your soul is your general ability to withstand horrible things happening to you. Magical energy and that, yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of a catch-all for the other two. It's it's your key and your energy and your magic and your ability to withstand pain all rolled into one. Yeah. And then there are a bunch of derived values off of those stats as well. This game uses a lot of something. We, we've seen before in, in one game where it had you take the averages of things to determine what your abilities are. I think it was, I think it was, I've mostly blocked it out of my head, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was Prime Directive. Uh, had you spend a lot of time going, getting the averages of things. Yeah. This book does that for your combat values. So for example, your base combat number that you'd be rolling on, on mechanical stuff, and we'll explain how the mechanics work in a minute, is all three of your stats, your body plus your mind plus your soul divided by three. Yeah. And, now, you're going to have stats that are a value uh, of 1 to 12, mm-hmm. is as high as you can go, and they say that generally a 4 is going to be a human average. Mm-hmm. So, really, technically, an average human has a combat value of 4, and then your defense combat value is whatever your combat value is, minus 2. Right. So, if you don't have any training in fighting, and you try to punch a guy... Then your def- your basic combat value or your ACM in the system lingo is four. Now here's how mechanics work for most skill rolls and ability checks and so on in this game. Roll two d6 and try to roll under the value. Yeah. So for example, if you're making a generic body check, you roll two d6 to see if you can get under your body. That means an average human fails seventy one percent of the time on accomplishing any task. Yeah, and it does at least say. You probably won't need to roll for most anything that you're going to normally do. Yeah. But it means anytime a normal human tries to do anything Hard. remotely difficult, they're like, oh, well, shit. Yeah. Now, it, it does It does have modifiers. There's lots a, of modifiers. If it's, a, like, a really simple task, you might be at minus six to the roll, so you'd actually... You know, if you rolled a 10, it would end up being a 4. I just, I'll, I'm just surprised that it's not your average stat is 7, aren't you? You feel like that would be kind of... You'd think it would, but the game has a, it really is kind of happy on the modifiers here. Yeah, there's a lot of mods out there. So and anyway... The, the successes are marginal in different directions. You can have, uh, if you get a 0, like you roll exactly whatever the stat you were trying to roll, it is just a... Marginal, barely success you kind of succeed yeah and then you can get up to a plus six or a minus six for did you go ahead and have way better than you needed then you can get up to minus six from the stat so if you rolled a two and had a eight or above then great you got a minus six which is as good as you can get or you can get a plus six so if you rolled a 12 and even if you had a six in the stat you would still would have failed spectacularly right so it's got some variable kind of ju- or GM determines exactly what happens style kind of, kind of failure chance spreads, which is all right. There's other games that do that. Usually they end up being a little. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I've played in games where that's the system. Where yeah. like, Exalted is a really good example of a game where that's the system. Like, how many successes did you get? Seven. Well, the difficulty was only two, so extra cool things happen. And usually, unless it's real important, those things tend to kind of disappear into the game system. Like. Okay, you guys need to swim across the ocean. The difficulty is four. I rolled 14 successes. I rolled nine successes. All right, you both swim across the ocean. Meanwhile... Yeah. It's uh, it's sort of 
not super important for most things, and is especially weird because most of the time when you have something like that, like, say, in an Exalted or anything else where you've got a swing of how much you fail or succeed, it modifies uh, your attack in some way. Oh, yeah, that's the weirdest thing about this game. This has a binary success system for attacking. If you roll, you either hit or you didn't. So even if you roll a 2 and have a 12 in your stat, you hit the shit out of that guy. He's still rolling his defense value, and it does not matter how well you hit. Yeah, there's no interplay between attack and defense. So, for example, if I'm trying to hit John, which is going to be really easy, let me tell you, I roll on my own, sorry, uh, ACM, or uh, whatever ability combat modifier, whatever it stands for, to try and punch John. I roll, let's say I'm an average human and I have a 4, I try to roll under a 4 on 2d6. If I succeed, I hit John. Meanwhile, John doesn't want to get hit, so he's rolling on his own stat. Now, he's not trying to beat the value I put forward, he's just rolling against whatever his defense value is. His defense value, if he is an average human, is 2, so he's trying to roll snake eyes on 2d6 to not get punched. What my success in hitting him has absolutely no uh, inference to what to his chance of not getting hit. Yeah. So if you have someone that's like, I've got a amazing to hit you roll. Like, my attack value happens to be an 8 because I'm just really accurate. And I rolled a three. I've got a plus five normally on this, which would be just about as good as you could get on a success. If the other guy has a crap defense value and it's like four and he rolls a three, he only succeeded by one compared to my succeeding by five, but he still succeeded. So fuck you. It's so weird. I mean, like, like, uh, let's say you're an average human in this game and the game doesn't even use average human as an example. They say someone who has a basic combat value of five which means that their basic defense value is 3. Okay, let's assume that. Your basic defense value is 3. That means anytime you try to not get hit by something, you have about a, what, 14, 16% chance to not get hit by that thing. Yeah. And that's just, it's just weird. There's nothing you can do about it. There's modifiers that can affect it, but but on a basic basis, your chance to get hit is real good. Oh, yeah. No, the, I mean, unless you really want to try and get the modifiers and go, look, I'm hiding behind a thing. Can I go ahead and get a minus two or three to my roll, please? And even then, if you look at it, you're like, okay, I have a defense value of three, and I'm taking cover, and I don't want to get hit. All right, awesome. You get a minus three to that. You're still at six, which means you're still, on average, more than half the time going to get hit anyway. Yeah, even if you build an amazing character, you're still having a really hard time not getting hit by things. Now, you can do a full defense maneuver where you do no actions. All you do is try not to die, and that gives you a minus two on whatever your defense for the turn is. So, you could ostensibly, even if you have a crap defense value... Like, hide behind things and then just cry and duck and cover and hope you don't get hit. And it'll take you up to generally not being hit? Now, I- I'm pretty sure the full defense value only occurs when it's your turn to take an action as well. Well, yeah, you decide, this is what I'm doing. I don't want to take actions just for the rest of the round. Right. I'm defending. Because this game has an initiative system, and you, you determine your initiative by rolling a d6 and adding your uh, ACM. That's how you get initiative. So if someone's got a high ACM, then they also are very fast and very likely to hit you. 
So if they roll above you on ACM, they're going to say, I swing at you. And you're going to say, uh, I, I guess, I, I don't know if you're allowed to take full defense at that point, or if you have to <laughs> wait until it's your turn and then go, all right, I'll take full defense. So all these people who are faster than me already hit me. Whoops. No good. Well, I think if I think you're going to either decide you want to use the defense value when someone hits you or you go, all right, it's my turn. I just got punched a lot. I'm going to go full defense, and then it'll last until my next action. Right, and you can also buy a lot of extra attacks in this game. So so make no mistake, if you're playing this game, your goal is to go first and hit a lot before the other person gets to do anything. Because chances are they aren't going to be able to defend against it. Yeah, uh, it's which is just kind of odd that defense value is so, so good, but it's almost impossible to get to a point where you would be able to reliably count on it. Now, that's that's basically true. There are some exceptions in the game system. The, no- the notable one being that this game has a variable amount of points that you start with to build your character because it's got so many different settings you can play in. If you're playing as high school students whose primary job is to just make it to class on time and maybe be better than each other at volleyball, uh, you you can start with like 20 character points to build your character with. Yeah, and that's that's considered a low-power game. Yeah, and it's easy to say, okay, instead you guys get 60 points because you're space rangers or, you know, whatever. Uh, and so... That means that uh, characters can have wide ranges of compatibility, wide ranges of attack and defense. It's just weird that defense and offense don't seem to have anything to do with each other. Yeah. So the book gives a range of starting point values. Uh, It goes at the extreme low end. It says you can do 15 to 25 as a low power game. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes up to like... 70 or something for a high-power game. Yeah, for if you're, like, playing as, uh, I don't know, god-type characters fighting. Yeah, you're one of those characters that's like, I run around and I've got, I don't know, a demon inside me and yeah. I kick it's, the it's, shit out of everything. I guess it's for, like, playing Bleach. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, they've got that range, and you can spend your points on... It's one point per attribute point that you have in your mind, body, or soul. And you're going to want to spend at least 12 of those points in there to be even an average human on all three of those. Well, that's the funny thing. Since the game uses averages, which are a terrible game mechanic, if you are a game designer listening to us, don't use averages for anything. Because they require too much investment to raise later on in the game. Uh, so basically, yeah, you need to get your uh, your four, your three stats up to a number that is divisible by three. Because otherwise, you calculate all your values by your three stats divided by three, rounded down. Yeah, and so... Even then, though, you look at something like, say you're doing a low-power game. Your GM says, yeah, I want this to be one of those, like, teenage romance dramas, and we're going to set you in a high school, you're going to be regular high school students, you have 15 points. All right. I refuse to play that, that sounds stupid. Well, even if you don't refuse... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, carry on. It's going to be, basically, if you go, look, I made an average guy, I'm a dude, that means you have three points to spend on anything else, and there is like a hundred pages of shit to spend points on. Yep. This game has more abilities than any game I've ever seen. It is insane how much crap there is to spend points on. Right. And, and, you know, if you have like 60, 70 points to spend, then sure, you can probably pick up stuff like interstellar flight or the ability to shoot lasers or sorcery or whatever. It it does a good job of saying, okay, you're a high school student. What's your one unique thing about you? Uh, I, I guess I'm kind of good at, at girls like me, because you don't have the points to afford a mecha or whatever. That's it's not terrible. It 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 is a little odd, just exactly how much stuff is crammed in here and how careful they are to try and keep you from spending it in the wrong way. Like they don't want you to make a mecha that's a wizard. 
Yeah, and they also have a lot of point values for a lot of things that are fairly restrictive as far as mm-hmm. I've seen and makes it so that you wouldn't really get like, okay, I'm a super duper amazing sword saint and also I happen to be able to turn invisible and fart fire. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the point values, you would have to be doing an extremely high-powered game before you got to the point where anyone had more than probably a gimmick. Right. And the fact that they're... It seems like they assume most anyone will have maybe one or two gimmicks. The fact that there's like 70 different gimmicks to choose from is... I, I, I like it a little, but it's also just so much overload. Well, the problem is that it doesn't work the way that you think it would. Like, like say, for example, oh my god, look at all these gimmicks. This is amazing. Let's build our game. We're going to play a robot combat pilot game. Oh, okay, great. How many points do we get to start? 30. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'll set my stats to the four each so I have a really a decent combat value. And uh, what does that leave me enough points for? One gimmick. Uh, is robot piloting a gimmick? Yes. Yeah. Owning a big mech is a thing you can buy with points. Yeah, which means that everyone's gimmick is going to be the same thing, even if there's 70 gimmicks available to choose from. <laughs> because you're, oh, we're all robot pilots, so we better all take robot piloting. Yeah. So unless you really want to have it be like, one of the other characters is, I don't know, one of the mechanics for your big mech, then pretty much everyone is going to go, alright, I had to spend points on my attributes, and then I had enough left over to buy a mech, and then maybe make my mech interesting? A little bit, yeah, maybe. And then the last character is the hottest singer in Mega Tokyo. Wee! Alright, great. Oh, how, Mega Neo Tokyo. How are we going to fit that into the game? Um, Via narrative convention, because we're doing it as a movie? No? Oh, well, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, It's, it's kind of weird. Uh, And they have a weird split for what you get as a benefit as well. Like, certain things are obvious. So, you do more damage. You have more hit points. You're sort of standard benefits. Oh, right. But everything is six points worth of value. So, there's some things that are like, you can get four points versus six points, and it doesn't seem like, why would you bother? And it, you know, there are even some abilities that you're like, okay, you have uh, contamination is a bonus that you get. And it's the vampire bite, the werewolf scratch, the zombie bite, that sort of thing, where you can turn someone else into whatever you are. Mm -hmm. You can get that as a bonus, and the more points you put into it, the faster the transformation goes, and that's pretty much all you get out of it. Right. And how hard it would be to stop the transformation from happening as well. Yeah, and it's the same thing with the drawbacks. There's drawbacks that just make things happen faster or slower. Uh, one of the examples I can think of is a mecha drawback that's, uh, the amount of time it takes to start the mecha. Yeah. You can either, you can have, it starts immediately, which is no drawback, or it starts in several minutes, which is a minor drawback, or it starts in hours, which is a major drawback. <laughs> so if you spend six points, you're gonna sit there cranking your mecha up for two hours. If you earn, if you earn six points, yeah. But, uh, that's, that doesn't work. That's not functional in game mechanic terms. Because your your GM's going to be like, all right, there is an encroaching encroaching horde of demon mechs coming at you. You need to stop them. Okay, I'll start starting my mech. Okay, well, the demon hordes get there because it takes you hours to start your mech, and they laser you. <laughs> oh, well, that's a terrible game. I agree. Why did you take that drawback? Uh, I also agree. Why didn't you start those demon mechs hours away? 
Yeah, and I mean, it's the same thing for, like, the contamination one. It even says in the book, look, if you're a werewolf, uh, maybe as a GM, don't let your character just turn the entire party into werewolves so they all get super extra bonus points. Because being able to just go, look, I spend points on making werewolf be an awesome thing where I'm super strong and super fast and have heightened senses. And then I just walk up to everyone in the party and go, scratch, scratch, scratch. One of the more famous things about this game is that apparently, and we didn't really do the math on it because we'd already read about it and didn't think it was that important, it's possible to break the game in half by using one of the mecha effects. The ability to uh, have your mecha be comprised of little mechs. Yeah, you just get mechs and then split those off in a little mechs, and every mech that you purchase has its own points that then you can buy things with that. So you can have, like, a mecha that then buys its own attributes, so you can have a mecha that owns a mecha, you can have mecha made out of little mechas, and each little mecha owns a mecha. Yeah, imagine if Voltron was made out of five lions, which were themselves made out of ten horseshoe crabs, which were <laughs> themselves made out of twenty members of Creed. <laughs> You'd have uh, thousands and thousands of shitty little guys, and uh, you get to have points on all of them. So it's an easy way to break the system wide open by just saying, oh, well, yeah. all my mechas are made of mechas, which are made of mechas, which are made of mechas. Would, would you say it's it's easy to break the system with arms wide open? Oh! <laughs> Why did I Creed. mention Creed? Oh. <laughs> you got stabbed. Now I'm thinking about Creed, and I don't want to. <laughs> okay, um, so... There's a lot of of bonuses you can purchase, and there are a lot of drawbacks you can purchase. And a few of the drawbacks, if, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know me, and you know I hate the drawback system because it's so gamey. Oh, yeah. I and mean, it, in this case, yeah. it's better than most, but there's still a few in there that are just like, uh, why Why is this here? Well, it's, it's the same uh, usual suspects from anyone that includes a drawback system of things like, you have... A dark secret. Yeah, dark skeleton in your closet is one of them, of course. Everyone always takes this if it's available because it's cool to have a dark secret. It's not a drawback. Yeah. Another one is Nemesis. Someone hates you. Well, yeah, if you're playing in a combat-based game, someone probably hates you because there's bad guys. Yeah, it's just saying to the rest of the party, look, I'm occasionally just going to wrest control of this game away and make it about me and my Nemesis. Right. And uh, there's another one that is you are... was irresistible to the opposite sex, no matter what. Oh yeah, that's, that's a drawback. Which you know, I, I got to give him some 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 uh, credit there. That makes sense for anime. If you're building one of those stupid harem games or, or uh, animes into a game, like if you're like, oh, let's play Tenchi Muyo. Who wants to be the one guy that doesn't understand why he's getting all this weird alien female attention? And he's always like, no, don't touch me with. Oh my god, I accidentally fell on a boob, like, like that kind of thing. Then yeah, it, it makes sense that you know, your character is desirable to the opposite sex and hates it. Yeah, and, you know, you've got a bunch of other random goofity ones, the, too. So. Ageism is the very first one. <laughs> and it's that uh, people don't trust you because of how young you are. And then it has a sidebar that says, this doesn't apply to old people because in Japanese culture, the old people are respected. Yep. And then it goes, but you might want to use other isms, such as racism, elitism, and judgments based on your physical beauty, sexual uh, orientation... Uh, the job you have. What I think funny is that isms include sexual, or I'm sorry, uh, physical beauty, but there's also another drawback that's just you ugly. So oh, you, yeah. You can take double ugly if you want. Yeah, you can, well, the thing is, you can be like, look, I'm super ugly, but I don't exist in a society that hates me for being ugly. Or you can be like, look, I'm kind of not that good looking and society hates the way I look, 
but there's no actual drawback to how you look. Right. Or you can say, my character is but ugly, society judges people for being ugly, but I stay inside of a mech all the time. <laughs> this is just four bonus points. Yeah, there, there are some that are very obviously for certain genres. Because if you're playing like, alright, we're doing the giant mecha game or something like that, and you're like, okay, look, I'm playing a big fat gorilla that everyone hates. Well, why why does everyone hate that big fat gorilla? Well, people hate fat gorillas. They like nice, svelte, good-looking gorillas. And uh you're yeah. playing in a big mech game, and you're never outside of your mech, then no one gives a fuck. It's supposed to be there for games where you're doing some romance thing or whatever. Oh but, man, poor left <laughs> Lieutenant Bananas. He always gets he always gets the worst mech assignments because everyone knows there's a fat gorilla inside that fat gorilla shaped robot. <laughs> I've, I've never seen him, but I'm pretty sure Fatty McGorillas in that robot. <laughs> His name is Fatty McGorillas in there. Yeah. His call sign is Bananas. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, there's a lot of drawbacks that that are, but again, that's just a weakness of drawback systems. Like, uh, what was the one that we were talking about that was, the, uh, anyway, the, uh, the how long does it take your mech to get started is a perfect example. If, uh, if you take that one and you say it takes me hours to start my mech in a mech game, then there's only two ways that things will happen. Either your DM will say, no, don't take that because jumping in and out of mechs is important. Or your DM's going to say, okay, I'll make it so that mechs take forever to arrive because otherwise no combat's going to be any fun. Because you'll just get shot while your mech's sitting still. Yeah, and the only thing that it's trying to narratively at least do is go, okay, there might be some tension of maybe there are a few rounds where you have to hold off something before your mech starts, or maybe you have to, like, get to a place and something's already happening by the time you get there. But if the GM wanted that to happen, you would be attacked outside of your mech anyway. Yep. Or you would be late to show up anyway. Exactly. It's just, it's basically like taking a game of chicken as a, as a drawback that you know you're going to win. Because your GM wants to tell a story, and he's going to tell that story regardless of how many dumb, stupid weaknesses you throw in, your, in his way. Yeah. Uh, it, it It's sort of like the nemesis thing of, I'm going to get some points for taking this. But what it does is it just makes you have to change things. Yeah, your GM now has to work in your dumb nemesis. Yeah, so now he has to work in the fact that any time he wants combat to take place, he probably has to make sure either the threat is such that it doesn't just murder you when you're outside of your mech, or that you have time to respond with your mech. Exactly. It's just a dare to your DM, basically saying, Hey man, are you going to be a dick? Of course not. It, yeah. I don't know. I just don't like weakness systems. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This one isn't as bad as some of the others. None of the weaknesses are obvious choices. Uh, and there's a few that, that are obvious choices in that if you're playing a certain game, it'd be very easy to take them and then get out of trouble. Like, for example, if you're playing a giant robot pilot and you take that your character can't talk. Yeah. Who cares? No, you just respond to everything with dot, dot, dot. Right. Or you could take no arms and pilot your, your mech, like, via brainwaves or something, and you'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there are certain things where you go, we've got this, we've seen it in, like, Buffy, they have significant other as a drawback. Oh, yeah, because your significant other is always in trouble. Yeah, you're gonna be a protagonist, and your significant other is probably going to end up getting in trouble from something. Right. One of, one of my favorite jokes we had leading up to this was that you should be able to take girlfriend as an ability in this game, because anime girlfriends tend to be situationally invulnerable, and they're the only, like, 
For example, Bulma is the only person in the universe that can hit Goku. Yeah. She can do it whenever she wants, and she just beats the living shit out of him. And, and why doesn't she go out and face, like, Frieza and so on? If if if, uh, <laughs> if she's so friggin' good at beating up Goku... And it's because she's only good at beating up Goku. So they should be, they should let you have a penalty that, or, or, they, yeah, a penalty that is anime girlfriend, which is that you are unbelievably strong, but it only works on your own boyfriend or women trying to get him. Yeah. You, you go ahead and get in the way of some superpowered lady who wants to beat up your boy, and you're like, you, you're gonna fight me, you get away from my man. Yeah, and if, you, if you're a huge fan of anime, think about it, because it's in all your animes. <laughs> Every last one of them. Yeah, unless it stars a woman. Uh, in which case, in which case there's a whole set of other tropes that they all do. Uh, so yeah, you've got a bunch of those. And then on top of the like 100 pages of generic uh, abilities and mecha abilities, your shenanigans and your drawbacks, they then have an entirely separate from that skill system mm-hmm. that they even say you don't have to use. The game's like, uh, you could use skills. You don't have to. Yeah, you do. Let's go ahead and say that. Yeah, you do. An average character has a less than 40% chance of succeeding on an average roll unless skills are introduced to the game. Yeah, and the game gives you 20 skill points, and the way in which you get to spend those points depends on what type of game you're playing. That is the weirdest thing to me. Okay, so there's this big grid in it, and the the types of games you can play are like Teenage Romance, Giant Robots... Uh, hot rods and guns, cyberpunk, horror, Sup- supernatural horror, investigation, uh, all these different game systems. And for each one, the skills uh, value in terms of how much points you or um, of your experience or skill points you have to spend to get them are weighted based on how important they are in that genre. And it's more expensive the more important that skill is to that genre. And it goes from one to six points to purchase one point in a skill. So, for example, if you're playing a driving game, if you're playing whatever that, I, I still can't remember the name of it. It's the one that starts with, it's just got a big D in it. It's like letter D or <laughs> tenacious D or something. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's like for, formula D, except yeah. not that drifty D. Yeah. Uh, like shift, shift R. Weird, R yeah. Type. Weird lipped rectangle mans and their, their shift or their drift based racing the, the anime. Yay. That's, that's what it is. And in that, it, in a racing game, it costs six points to pick one point of driving. Yeah. So if you wanted to, if you got, you know, 20 skill points, you could get, if you spent 18 of those 20 skill points, you could have three levels of drive. Which goes to six. So it's impossible to start in a generic game as being the best at something. Which, alright, that's fine. But the waiting system is so weird to me, because it's it, it basically encourages you to take skills that you wouldn't want, I, and, and you know, okay, I understand that, yeah, that's actually a good idea to, to reward people for building outside of the, the core concept so that they don't just min-max. On the other hand, what it's going to lead to is players trying to solve all their problems with <laughs> stupid skills. All right, I'm playing Cyberpunk. It's one point for cooking. How can I bring down Megacorp with my cooking? Oh, can I cook bombs? <laughs> oh. and this is going to be your GM having to go, no, you can't cook bombs. Can I cook the books? No, no one will come outside of the building for your poisonous taco party. <laughs> oh, but I made this banner that says poisonous taco party and everything. You should have put more skills in subterfuge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's actually a lot of points because it's cyberpunk. Right. So it, the waiting system is weird. It makes sense. I just find it very odd that it becomes harder to get good at something in a game where you would be good at something. Yeah, it's... 
it means that no one gets to be your standard protagonist. Like, no one in, if you're doing a setting that is, like, Samurai Champloo, let's say. Mm -hmm. You've got the wandering best swordsmen in the world, and that's your conceit. Problem is, neither of the people that are uh, going to be playing this game and are both wanting to be those swordsmen are going to be able to be the best swordsmen in the world because they're going to have, like, Three points in melee combat. Right. Yeah. If you want to be Mu, uh, was it uh, Mugan or Jin or Fu or whoever? Yeah. Those, I think those are the three characters. One of them is just the the girl with the squirrel. Um, squirrel and, girl. Yeah, squirrel girl. The girl with all the squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. She's in Sham- Samurai Champloo. <laughs> Didn't you know? Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Doreen Green, <laughs> core <laughs> member of the Great Lakes Avengers. Yeah. Is Obviously. in Samurai Champloo. Duh. Obviously. Right. You've seen anime. You know. Internet. Okay. So. We were talking about this, and uh, and yeah, there's a lot of different skills you can put points into for each one. There's about 20 different skills to choose from, and if you read through the big grid of which skills are, are more expensive and which, it's kind of funny because all of them are weighted heavily except for Teenage Romance, where everything is cheap because, no, you know, what are you going to be good at? No, like, the only things that even cost more than three were cooking and... Gaming, an urban, but what's the urban ur- tracking? Which I don't even. Why do you need an urban track in a teenage romance? Stalking. Uh oh, man. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's uh, so urban or teenage romances. I, I, I would you play in a teenage romance? You know the weird thing is, if you had asked me this before I read this book, I would have gone, "No, that sounds real dumb." Ugh. But after reading this book, I'm like, you know, I would probably play one shot of some stupid teenage romance thing. It doesn't hurt that this game, for all of our kind of making fun of the foibles of it, is probably the most well designed, kind of tightly put together game we've seen so far. Uh, like, I wouldn't say that. Well, okay, there's the the huge drawback of how hard it is to do anything is kind of there, like. Like, I, I assume that when they came around to their third edition, they probably made it so you didn't have just a 30% chance to, to succeed at, for example, dodging. Yeah. That, that particular bit's really broken, but the, the abilities, I kept reading through all those abilities trying to find one that was stu- super broken. And, and then the game would be like, nope, it's not. It makes sense. Just read this a little further. Like, like senses, for example. If you take enhanced senses, then you get one enhanced sense per point you put into it. You can put six points into it. And I was like, I was like, aha, game! You have six, <laughs> you have put in six levels of enhanced senses and there are only five senses. And then you read six, the sixth one, it just goes, oh no, pick another one and you get it twice as enhanced. Yeah. I was like, oh, you have foiled me again. You actually <laughs> thought this through. Damn it. And it has sixth sense as a, uh, another a, thing you can get. A second, a secondary ability. Uh, and also bulky is the thing you can take. Oh which, my god, it's so good. Bulky lets you make your character too big to go down roads and so on. And, BP1, or bulky points one, is your character's roughly the size of a VW or a gorilla. You're like, a, you're a big rotund thing. And then it has a side note that says, this is as big as you should let a character be if they aren't a big robot or a monster or something. Yeah. That's how big they should, that, that's where you should top out. It doesn't force that on you. <laughs> no, there, there are a lot of things where the book says, look, we put this in the game because there, it actually exists for certain anime conventions that there are going to be characters that will have the sixth level of this. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. But then goes, look, man, don't don't just let dudes have this. That would be terrible. Uh, my character has the bulky value of five. Oh, good. You're a spaceship. <laughs> I am the world's fattest man. I am as big as the moon. <laughs> well, fabulous. 
<laughs> I'm glad that Moon Fats McGee showed up so that he could roll around in my teenage drama. <laughs> if there's one thing, at least he's more attractive and more well liked than Bananas the Gorilla <laughs> Mech Pilot. <laughs> Uh, oh, Fatty McGee, we like you more than bananas. Damn you, moon fats. <laughs> but you can do that, though. You can build a man who is as fat as the moon. If you really want to, you totally can. Yeah. You can build Ego the Living Planet. Oh, yeah, because there's also that. BP-6, where you weigh 100,000 tons. And you're just like, all right, man, sure, go for it. <laughs> it's my supernatural horror game. <laughs> my character is the size of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when you're like, look, man, I made a kaiju. Fuck you. <laughs> oh no, he's just a guy. He's yeah. just the... well, you're just Attack on Titan at that point. Oh, that's perfect. That's what you're doing. You're making Attack on Titan characters. Yeah, I want to play as a mindless, smiling idiot <laughs> who eats people for no reason. Yeah. I assume there's probably a reason, but I've only seen one season of that show. Well, I've seen one episode, so you got me. Oh, okay. There you go. There's a bunch of big mindless weirdos that run around eating people. Yeah, there certainly are. Yep, there you go. That's the show. They're and all then, naked. And everyone fights with giant kind of razor blade swords. Yeah, and they flip around and do stuff. Oh, yeah. They have, like, hip belt, like, uh, grappling cannon things. Yeah, they have the most impractical devices possible. It's kind of fun to watch that show and watch them just get yanked around by those things and just wondering what would happen to their spines. Because they're getting pulled, most of them look like they're getting pulled by the dick. At, at, <laughs> at, at, like, eight, like, like, just God reached out and grabbed him by the wang. It was like, this way, 90 miles an hour, go! <laughs> <laughs> Do that kind of oh. Kermit the Frog style of running, where their t- their top half zips backwards while their while their dick goes towards the target. <laughs> oh yeah, we just made a lot of enemies. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, and then you know you you find out eventually all of your skills, and you do that, and it takes the book. Till past this point. Oh, it's like page 136. Before it finally tells you how you roll for things. The book is 210 pages long, and on page 136, it explains how to roll for things. Yeah. Up until this point, it was just like, you'll have this number, and then these numbers, and you'll have a success like this, and then you'll have points in these, and you're like, what does that mean? Well, since everything gives you a bonus of, like, minus two... You kind of get the notion that it's going to be a roll low system. But the first time you read it, you're like, wait, that doesn't sound right. It's like, you get a benefit of minus three to your, your body roll. Which I, it's, it's just a pet peeve of mine anytime a game does roll under and has things where it's like, you get a minus two bonus. I'm like, oh god, that fucking hurts to read. It's not quite as bad as Don't Look Back, where your like stats had negative values on them. Yeah. What's your, what's your fit and Don't Look Back? Negative one. Well, yeah, it's also, you know, not quite as bad as, say, Thacko or anything like that, because you don't have to try and calculate shit that's super weird. Thacko is practically where we derived the name of this podcast from, because <laughs> that's that's what made people so proud of themselves back in second edition, to be like, I figured out how to calculate versus subtracting 20 from a thing, and then blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I mean, I can still run Thacko calculations in my head, but... but it's just it's pointless not a, and stupid. Yeah, it doesn't need to exist. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm sure Roll Under... It has a lot of different useful things, and, you know, it might even be thematic for certain games. I just hate seeing any modifier for it when something's like, you're plus four to this roll. It's a bad thing. And it just, 
I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, there, generally speaking, there isn't that much of a point to it. But almost every game we've played has had something that they think is either the novel or the new ideal way to mess with a 2D6 or 3D6 bell curve. And, you know, I understand that you're trying to go, I, I can't just copy someone else's system, so I have to make my own. And doing a thing that's roll under means you can basically take someone else's game system, use the exact same thing, but say, look, you're rolling under instead of above, and I, now it's your own. You know, I think this is referred to our old podcast day, because that's what Haven did. Yeah. Haven's was that exact. Haven is D20 backwards. <laughs> yeah. So, it's... It just feels lazy as well to me. It's like, hey, someone else had this game system, and I just reversed it. Okay, great. Yeah. This game doesn't do that. This game system is novel. It's just... I don't know, it, it, it feels clunky. But on the other hand, like I was saying before, I'm going to hold to it. This game's well-designed. Like, you could play this game and not have a terrible time. The only thing that's missing about it is that the combat system doesn't work. But, oh, okay, oh, fair enough, It's that's very important. <laughs> <laughs> but a minor tweak would make this game very playable. And I think it it's really going to depend on what you as a player and what the GM allows you to get. Because... Uh, because of the way that the point system works, and, I mean, like, it was one-to-one for attributes, but for a lot of the weird, like, six-level abilities, instead of just one-to-one, it might have been, you know, five points per level, or three points per level. So if you wanted that level six ability, it might have cost you, like, 15, 20, whatever points to get there. Uh, which... It's it a lot just, of points. It feels really restrictive on what you can do, which is both good and bad, because it means you're never going to have anyone doing the thing where, like, a lot of game systems that have a lot of splats or a lot of abilities, the big issue you run into is combining abilities in a way they didn't imagine you would. Yeah. So getting, like, three feats that combined let you do some stupid bullshit. This, because you're so restricted, even if you do go, oh man, I have an awesome ability to turn invisible whenever I want and stay that way, and it's super awesome. Alright, but you don't also get the ability to then fly and shoot lasers. Right, that's one of the things that 4th edition D&D does so well, is it gives you this kind of feeling like you're accomplishing something by putting all the pieces together. When you're like, oh, look what I figured out. If I take a cold pull arm and I take this feet and this feet, then I can stop guys from ever getting within 5 feet of me. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it took me like 8 different things, but I found this puzzle piece they left lying in here just for me. Whee! Well, this game doesn't really... Most games don't really do that. that that's That's a level of kind of puzzle design that you don't really see in a lot of games. But yeah, this one I mean, in particular... If they, if they do have that, it's it's less puzzle and more just, we have so many things to choose from, but you're allowed to choose, like, 12, that some combo somewhere is gonna be broken. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hit points in this game are determined by taking your body and your soul and multiplying the result of adding those two together by five. Yep. So your generic dude is going to have 40 hit points. Right. Now divide that by 5, and that your hit points by 5, and that is your shock value. If you take damage in one hit exceeding your shock value, then there is a chance that you'll just bleed out or die or whatever right away. Oh yeah, it's, oh my god, I took massive damage, which that massive damage system exists in a lot of things, and I've never, ever, ever liked it. And I've never used it. Ever. No, I've actually never seen... I, no, that's not true. I have seen one person at one point go, Look, man, you took, like, 
all of your health in one hit, I'm going to go ahead and use the shock rules. Right. It's kind of like when you're playing an older game and someone goes, I'm going to try and wrestle that guy. And you're like, oh man, I'm pretty sure this book has three pages of stupid wrestling stuff in it <laughs> somewhere, but just use your sword. Like, oh no, I'm going to grapple him. Uh, yeah. All it's, right. You know, in fucking second ed, when you're like, I grapple. Oh, what the fuck does that even do? Uh, I don't care. I don't want to look that up. Oh God, use a long sword, you asshole. Right. Usually system shock rolls are one of the things where that's the same thing. Like, you know they're in the book, but you kind of, it. I don't know. It, and honestly, it's... It just feels like insult to injury. Yeah. Because you're like, look, man, you you just took, like, three quarters of your health in one hit. How would you like to also just die? Let's see ah. how that goes. I can see them being useful as tools for eliminating extras. Like, yeah. if you've got some chumps in the game and you're like, oh, I did 40 hit points to him and he only has 50. And your DM's like, oh, he just fucking dies. Who cares? Yeah, you, you hit him so hard that it doesn't matter anymore. He is bleeding out. Fuck it. I'm done. Right, and that's fine. Applying them to players feels unnecessarily mean to me in almost every situation. And usually, they are half your health. In this one, they're a fifth of your health, which means it's pretty likely it's going to get you, especially as with how hard it is to not get hit by something. Oh, yeah, and the... uh So, weapons have a damage value, and the damage value is pretty much five or ten, usually, uh, and goes up from there. There are, of course, some of the benefits you can get, which will just give you, like, plus ten, plus twenty, whatever, to damage... Which means, even if you're like, look, I took a knife, it's plus five to damage, I had one level of the bonus damage with my knife, I do 15, which means even a guy who has a crap ton of hit points, you're like, stab, you're dead. Yeah. Now, I'm not really happy with you just saying knife. Could you animate that up a little for me? Uh, a buster knife? Is that <laughs> better? buster knife? <laughs> See, I was kind of expecting you to go to Wakazashi or Tonto or something. <laughs> no, man, but no, buster no. knife. Buster knife, which is what, three feet long, something? <laughs> just big square? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically hitting someone with, like, a big trapper keeper, I think. Yeah, pretty much. That thing never looked... I don't understand. That, that buster sword, that Final Fantasy VII buster sword, I, people fetishize over that thing so much and it clearly just exists like that because playstation one graphics were so awful that if you had tried to put in anything other than a six foot long surfboard it would have it would have shown up at all so uh, yeah <laughs> okay so um okay there's also an xp system in this game is there probably i think it's called karma or something. <laughs> i just remembered what i'm thinking of isn't an xp system it's a temporary progression system yeah, you, the, the well you energy also points yeah you also have energy so in addition to your hit points, you have energy points. Right. And energy points is mostly useful if you're a mage or you've got some key or whatever. There's two full magic systems, by the way. Yeah. Uh, But it is your mind and soul times five. Right. And the thing you can do if you aren't a mage or anything like that that would normally be using it is you can use it to temporarily boost stats. So if you're called upon to make a body roll, and you've got a 5, but you really want to succeed, for every 10 energy points you spend, you can in temporarily increase a stat by 1. So you could spend 30, go ahead and raise your stat up to an 8, and then you'd probably succeed. You have a 55% chance of making this roll! Yay! Hey. So, uh, okay. So that's that's you have a way to temporarily boost your abilities. Energy points can also be used to power spells. There are two versions of spells in this game. There's a standard kind of Dungeons and Dragons-y, spell points -y thing where the spells actually have names and do specific things. And then there's an ability that's just called Dynamic Sorcery, which is basically, eh, just do whatever. 
You yeah. can you can do a set amount of damage, but other than that, whatever. You can make a bridge out of nothing or make yourself a spaceship. It's basically Green Lantern power. Yeah, the the whole thing is for every level uh that you have in this power, you can do more cool things. Right. So like level one is stupid cantrips, maybe you can like tie someone's shoelaces or whisper something to someone. And then it gets up to level six where it's just like, I don't know, just say what you want to do. Yeah, just do the thing you're doing. Fine, whatever. That's how it goes. Uh, but instead of spending points and just doing things, you do have to make a roll for dynamic spellcasting, cause you're... Making shit up on the fly. Yeah, you're yeah. just like, I, you roll on my soul stat and see if I have the inner strength to affect the world in such a way. Right. Do I? And if you fail, then the GM is encouraged to make stupid, like, when someone uses a wish in D&D, to go, Okay, what were you trying to do? Well, I was I was trying to make a frying pan. Oh, well, the frying pan appears above your head and it knocks you on the dome. Bonk! <laughs> yeah. You know, stupid things like that. Another ability I just thought of I wanted to mention was the one that lets you generate darkness or smoke. Yeah. And I like that the BP 5 and 6 levels are a state or a country. Oh, yeah. You can blot out the sun for a small country. Right, which is awesome, but it's one of those things that makes perfect sense as a monster ability. Which is the example they give yeah, that like, some vampire yeah. has blotted out the sun for his little kingdom that he got. And I, I was just going to give this a little bit of credit because I think it's neat that they used the same power and then they made it unreasonable for players to choose it at level 6. Because why would you spend that many points on it? And because why would your character ever need to blot out the sun in an entire <laughs> country? But it's still in there for monsters for flavor purposes. Yep. And that's pretty well, I, I thought that was pretty well thought out. Now, if you really do want your character to blot out the sun in a small country, I recommend taking the bulky drawback at a range of five. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. My, my character, Fatso Eclipse, is... Fatso Moonkin. <laughs> He's a moonkin now? Of course, they're really big and fat. <laughs> Why not? Uh, and he blots out the sun. Yeah, there you go. Alright, so um, we're running down on time, so let me go ahead and get to the asking questions phase of the podcast. Whee! John, what would you say is your favorite thing about Big Eye's small mouth? Uh, you know, I like the simplicity of the stats. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably my favorite thing is the tri-stat system just boiling everything down to three things... Uh, makes it a lot easier as far as, you know, what do I want to put points in? Trying to balance, like, 8, 9, 12 stats ends up being stupid, and anytime you do that, you, of course, always end up with one of them is like, Dexterity! How, how pretty you are as well, and you're like, yeah. I don't care how pretty oh, I man. am, I want to be a badass. That's a palladium thing for sure. Like, like I'd say, what, half the stats in palladium don't do a goddamn thing and never oh, yeah. will? Like, oh boy, my MA is a 26, my mental affinity is really high, what does that do? I don't even know. Uh, I can resist psychic control. How often does that come up? Almost never. Almost never, and whenever it does, it's some other mechanic that's included in the power that's being used against you, instead of just checking against your MA. Yeah, it... It's just bad, so I like... Yeah, the simplicity is that all three of those stats actually do show up and get use. Yeah, and they, you know, they basically combine as well, so there is no... Like, your combat value being all three stats, while it's kind of stupid, it does mean you can't just go, Look, man, I just put all my points into my body stat, and now I'm a super combat monkey. Well, no. No, Because it's still the average. Yeah. Although, honestly, it does kind of work that way. If you were to say, all right, my character has a, uh, you know, a 12 strength and a th three in the other two, 
then, okay, yeah, or 12 body and a 3 in the other two. Yeah, his average is still the same as someone who had, I, I don't know, like 6 points in each. But, um, yeah, 6 points in each. But he is way better at the physical abilities that are re- related to combat. So he is still better at combat than the other people. Except that your combat rolls are still the average, so it doesn't matter what your other crap is. That's true. So, okay, there so, you yeah, go. Favorite that, thing. That, that's my favorite. What about you? Uh, I'm going to say I like a few of the abilities in this game a lot. Uh, I really do like dynamic sorcery. I really do like the mecha combat generation system. Mm-hmm. I think they did a good cho- job of putting in these abilities and keeping them relatively balanced internally. Like, some of them are clearly way too powerful for the game, but on the other hand, it, it, they all make sense when you're reading through them. I kept expecting to find one that was just broken or stupid, but I never did. And and so I think they did a good job balancing this thing, and I'm going to give them that. Yeah, I think probably the dumbest one I saw was like, you make animal friends. Okay, well, that's never going to oh, come Oh, well, there's, there's always going to be a useless power. That, that yeah. that's. But what there isn't is an obvious power. No, there there is not anything that's just like, what does this do? Uh, it makes you better than everyone. Right. You can't take, for example, the bag of rats trick from third edition. It just doesn't. It doesn't exist. Yeah. There, there's no just wizard you can be if you want to. Be, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's spells, but and there's a, a wizard stat, but you can't just be. I'm the spellcaster. I'm the best in this game. There you go. That was fun. Wasn't that fun, everybody? If you want to build an elf or whatever in this game, by the way, you just say you are. There's no races. And oh yeah. Yeah. No classes. You just build the abilities and say what you are. Yeah. There. Yeah. There is a generic. A uh, bonus and a generic defect stat, and they're like, if you're a race, just pick this, and then ask the GM how many points it would take for various things. Yeah. Okay. What's your least favorite thing about Big Eyes, Small Mouth? Oh God, my least favorite thing has to be the amount of options. Honestly, it's just while I like the individual ones, it ends up being. Sort of a paralysis of what to pick. It took forever for us to read this book because of this. Yeah, I mean, just going through every single one of them and looking at every single level of it and trying to decide, okay, do I want to put, like, two points into this or go four points and then put two points into something else? Or how am I going to do this? And there's just pages and pages and pages of stuff. And even if they're well-balanced, it just gets to be too much to me. Right, and it wouldn't be that bad if the game was, I, I don't know, if this was like a computerized character generator, like if this was, you know, an online character builder, and you're like, alright, I'm building a teenage romance, so let's turn off all the non-relevant abilities you could b- pick for a teenage romance, and let me just look at the abilities that are left. Yeah. It'd be alright, but when you're reading through them, you're just like, what's this one? Oh, let's see, I have sirens on me. Oh, I contain an internal crew of people. <laughs> oh, I, I am I am a living hive. Those are two different powers, by the way. Uh, internal crew and living hive are two different powers. So you get through them, and it's like, wait, okay, who would have a living hive? And then it tells you, well, a non-mecha would have a living hive by having bees in his back, like a ninja scroll. A mecha would have a bunch of little fighter jets that come flying out of it. You're just like, wait, okay, so what, is, what does the crew do? That's people who live on or in you and can repair you if you're a robot. Or I, I guess maybe inner space is happening in you if you're a human. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know... I don't know, gangbang, maybe? A gangbang. A gangbang is walking alongside you. That's if you're playing a very specific genre of anime. <laughs> <laughs> the kind with blurring. Uh, so yeah, and oh. and your least favorite. Well, it's just the fact that the defense system doesn't work. Nah. Your chance to not get hit is so low that it's... The only way to play combat in this game is to get a high enough initiative score that you go first, and then beat the other guy to death because he can't move. Yeah. He's, and that's, it, it's unfortunate because it, otherwise I really enjoy this game, but that, that little bit is just like, what were you doing? What? How come attacks don't inform defense at all? Like at all. 
It, yeah. And, and, and they should. It should say, oh, did you do a really poor job of hitting this guy? He has a decent chance of dodging you. Yeah, so that way you could at least try and not die. Yeah. Like, even even one-roll systems, like Dungeons & Dragons, still say, oh, what was your roll, a 15? Okay, you miss. A 16? Okay, you hit. You, you did slightly better, you hit. In this case, it's just binary. Did you hit? Yes. What about the other guy? Uh, I have a chance to dodge, and it doesn't matter what your chance to hit was. Yeah. And, I don't know, I just don't like it. Would you play big eyes, small mouth? I, oddly enough, would. Hmm? And, you know, going off of what you just said and what I was saying earlier, I would even sort of want to do one of those, like, super tennis pro ones or yeah. any of the teenage high school ones. Because at least at that point, the fact that their combat system doesn't work doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, because you're just trying to one-up other guys in the school or something. Yeah, you're yeah. just trying to make sure that Senpai notices you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be the best on this swim team. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And I go, great, that's awesome. I would play that. I, I, get, I, I would play that once. And you said, you're right, it's a one-off thing to do that. Because uh, I hate those shows. <laughs> you, you, anytime you name one of those shows, it's just a, a slice-of-life family drama or school drama from uh, in anime where nothing actually happens and there's no, like, you know, big reveal where everyone, everyone's robots or something. I, I hate them. I hate them so much because because the, the character beats are the same in every single one of them. They've just filed off their faces and drawn on new ones. Huh. And, and but yeah, I'd probably play it once just because there's a lot of genre conventions to make jokes about. Basically, yeah. What is your favorite anime series? Oh God! Uh, Surprise question. Oh fuck! No, why? Why would you ask that? Because uh... I can edit it out if I need to. <laughs> I want to say I liked like Death Note. It was interesting for the first season. Yeah, it definitely fell off the rails a yeah, little bit. It when, kinda, when it introduced the other character, the, the new detectives and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it when it was the first two guys who were against each other. That was pretty fun yeah, plotting. Because they were both super weird and awkward, and it was a convention that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, it was definitely something you hadn't seen in anime. Neither of the characters has a, you know, adoring but hates a but tsundere girlfriend or anything. It's just a bunch of like cop drama between two crazy geniuses. Yeah, and that was that was awesome to me. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, uh, on uh, like that's if I like that show for the same reason I like watching Hannibal now. <laughs> it, it was well put together. Uh, I'm gonna go super generic, standard guy and say I really enjoyed Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, yeah, it's a great show. Had a great. Uh, it's it's good. Yeah, I don't even need to tell you why. Everyone's seen it. Everyone knows it's good. It's got great music. It's got fun characters. It's got really dynamically done action sequences. It's it's a killer show. Yep. There you go. All right. So uh, I think we've hit about an hour. I think we can probably be done talking about anime now. Probably. You want to go watch some anime? I really don't. No. No. Oh, okay. That's too bad. I got a copy of. That Ghost in the Shell series, remember that? Where it's just long shots of cars driving down highways while one character explains cyberpunk ethics to another character <laughs> ad nauseum. Want to watch some of that? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. No, I'm just no kidding. not that. We're not going to do that. I just wanted to reference one more anime thing. Uh, okay, so this has been System Mastery. As always, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com, System Mastery on Facebook, System Mastery at Gmail, System Mastery on Twitter. And I think that's it. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. There's probably one more out there somewhere. <laughs> Let's build a Pinterest. What do you say? Yeah, get that System Mastery Pinterest. Ooh, ooh, or subreddit. Yeah, let's get a System Mastery Snapchat so you can <laughs> see my dick. <laughs> for eight seconds. <laughs> That's all anyone needs to see my dick for. Eight seconds you'll never forget. <laughs> all right. Good night. Good night.